Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. What's up, Matt? What's going on? Just flipping through another day, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Hustle and flip both? Yeah, a little bit. You know, we're going to get into some of that. Now, before we get started, it's probably a good time to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you flip into some better... And more affordable software developers. Why are we talking? Why are we flipping something? I'm going to flip something at you here in a minute, but don't flip me off. Well, people will have to watch the startup hustle YouTube channel for that. We're going to talk about all kinds of good stuff with today's guest. That's Dave Robertson is the founder of flipper force. Dave, what's up? Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. Do you like Dave or David? I go by Dave. Dave. Yeah. My sheet says David feels my dad's name is David. It is his nickname. That is, uh, High school friend gave him was dip. dip. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, Do you have any fun nicknames? Uh, as a David? No, it's mainly no. mainly Dave. I'll just call you okay. Dip then. You're Dip. Well, you, so Dave's the founder of Flipper Force, which is cool stuff. It's house flipping software. It's definitely a subject we haven't talked about. Have you ever flipped a house, Matt? Nope. I haven't. I, I have one for sale, so he wants to come flip it. I don't. Okay. I, that, you're, that might break the spreadsheet for a couple different reasons. Now, Dave, I'm going to let you go ahead and take the mic here for a second and give us a little background about what you guys do at Flipper Force. Now, before you do that, I would like to encourage the listeners to go to flipperforce.com. That is spelled just like it sounds. Is that force? F-O-R? Yep. Force. Force. Okay. Force. F-O-R-C-E. Okay. Yep. Force. Force. Like using the force. Yep. Ooh. Talk to us, Dave. Well, yeah, so uh, Flipper Force, it's a web-based software solution for house flippers. It helps them analyze deals up front to make sure they're actually uh, buying a good deal, helps them estimate the renovation costs so they can establish an accurate budget up front. And then we've got project management tools that they can use to manage their projects, track their project schedules, track their project expenses. So it's really kind of built to be an all-in-one platform to help them with the entire process. Now, I'm assuming that you got into this because you were flipping houses yourself yep. and kind of just figured out Yep, there wasn't something that helped you do this. Yeah. So back in basically 2011, um, started flipping houses part-time, uh, had a full-time job at a local construction company um, as a cost estimator, um, decided that I wanted to try to make some extra money on the side. So I uh, started flipping houses. Um, in the process, I also created a spreadsheet that helped me analyze the deals and estimate the renovation costs. Um, and eventually that transitioned into, into a, a product of its own. So I decided other people might find my spreadsheet handy. So I decided to create a website and started selling it online. Uh, that morphed into a, a product and a business in and of itself. And now we've developed it into a new web-based software solution. So- See, this is where the best products come from, right? It's an entrepreneur that understands a problem, scratches their own niche, knows, under, understands how to solve the problem, what the industry needs. Yeah. And I like that. The best things come from. I like that it was uh, simplistic, you know, it's, and you told me before we start, we hit record. Now you sold quite a few of the spreadsheets, right? Right. 
Uh, yeah, we've sold several thousand spreadsheets. And how in the world did they find you? Uh, so I, I really just created a website called it houseflippingspreadsheet.com. So when people type in the word house flipping spreadsheet or are looking for a, a spreadsheet for flipping houses, you know, my product is the number one ranked Boom. product there. So it was pretty simple from that perspective. Right. SEO, so, baby. Yep. Content marketing. Now, right. you, you mentioned uh, houseflippingspreadsheet.com. And now at one point, Google just absolutely loved exact match domains. Yep. And then they didn't. Right. Did that actually affect you when they didn't? No, not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I've I've got a lot of uh, other keywords on our website. Sure. Um, I don't know that I have a lot of competition as far as spreadsheets for flipping houses. There's There's been a lot of new... Uh, software solutions that have popped up for flipping houses. But as far as like an actual spreadsheet, there's only like one or two of us. So it was pretty easy to rank so something your like that. So spreadsheet still exists. Yeah. You still sell it. Yeah. But then like the software is kind of an upsell. Right. Well, so the spreadsheet is a solution for people that still prefer a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet. So believe it or not, there's still a lot of people out there that would just prefer a one-time download that they can download to their computer and that they own and they can edit yeah. and manipulate. As far as what do you charge them for that? Um, so it starts at $127 up to $300, just a okay. one-time fee for the entire spreadsheet. So depending on which functionality is included in that, um, it's a decent sale. Hey man, if you've sold a few thousand of yeah. those, congratulations. Yeah. 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 I like it. Not bad. So I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on house flipping. I do know a little bit about the the genre or the industry I've owned some rental homes and I know you can get yourself in a shitload of, of hurt in a yep. hurry if you don't know what you're doing. Right. And I think that especially you mentioned starting this in 2011. So um, I'm old and I owned real estate on the good side and the bad side of what is commonly known as the real estate bubble or the housing crisis. So I saw people buying up houses and flipping them. And it was like, you know, in 2005, 2006, you couldn't do anything wrong, man. Like, I mean, it was just like, touch it, buy it, sell it, flip it. You could get insane loans that just didn't even make sense. You're like, yeah. how, how, wait, you just want me to sign my name and you'll, you know, and you get, there's movies about it now, but, um, you know, so did you have any particular, um, stories of failure or hurt and anguish that really like helped you refine the software or get other input? So when I started in 2011, um, I mean, I kind of came out of school right around when that recession was happening. Um, the market had basically hit the bottom. So it was, it was a good time to be buying. Mm -hmm. Um, so I haven't necessarily seen the, the issues where, you know, you're, you're, overpaying because basically ever since 2011, you're buying something and it's just basically appreciated. So um, as far as that struggle um, for flipping houses, it, it hasn't been a problem, but I would say the biggest problem I've had is dealing with contractors, um, uh, finding reliable contractors that can come work on your projects that actually show up, actually do the work and uh, do a good job has been probably the most frustrating part for me as a house flipper. So I've had to, uh, do a lot of the work myself just because people don't show up. So that's, that's, that's one of the big struggles, especially when you have a full-time job, you're trying to flip houses part-time when your contractors aren't showing up next thing, you know, you're working nights and weekends to go out to finish a house just to get it completed and get it. Well, sold. to me, that's gotta be the hardest part about flipping houses is I would guess most people that flip houses do like one a year or two a year or something like that. Right. And it's probably very hard for them to find the different subcontractors they need to do the different kind of work. And you need them for a day or two days yeah. here or whatever. It's probably really hard to find those people. 
And then I'm sure you, there's, there's probably also a group of people that flip houses kind of constantly. Yeah. And that's kind of a different market, right? What is, is there a lot of people that do that? Just like yeah. every month they're just continually doing these projects or yeah. a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's like any industry. I mean, there's a lot of people that are wanting to get into flipping houses. So there's people that watch those HGTV shows. They think that it looks easy. So they want to go out and do it. Um, so there's a lot of new investors that are trying to flip houses. Then there's a segment of people that flip houses part-time, which is going to be, you know, one to two to three houses a year. And then there are the the big players who are probably, you know, the top five to one percent of house flippers who are doing probably 95 percent of the houses in the market so it's probably similar to any market there's there's people that are killing it then there's people that are just you know getting by doing it and then there's the people that want to get in so well, and i've known several people that uh like in my neighborhood where they buy a house they renovate it they live there for a year or two and then they sell it and then they just buy another house well, in the, the neighborhood at, the, at that point if you live in it for a couple of years yep. you don't have to pay capital gains when you sell it yep. yeah and that's, see, that's the that big point. And I did that. So I mentioned I owned a house on the good side of the bubble. And I lived in Wilmington, North Carolina. The first time I was married to a woman named Jill, which has happened twice. Um, you know, I bought a, like a starter home. I think I paid 130,000 bucks for it. It was just a simple little ranch home. Uh, and I lived in it for a couple of years. And when I went to move to Washington, DC, I rented it out. And that's when prices started shooting up. I ended up selling it after only owning it for three years. I sold it for double what I paid for it. Wow. And yeah, well, then I bought a different house later and got kicked in the nuts on it. So I never really had a net right. positive transaction. But um, at the time, I had looked at a whole bunch of different stuff. And, you know, it, I, I was still working for other people in those days. And I, I was trying to use the concept of OPM, other people's money mm -hmm. to leverage houses and stuff like that. And I mean, and that's where I kind of got my base knowledge from. And I think that with flipping, there's a lot of people that want to buy like shit and, and polish it. Right. <laughs> I mean, and there's people that buy stuff and turn it into like section eight housing and stuff. Yeah. Well, well, and, and, well, another and part of my point there was since I'd lived in that home for two years, when I sold it, I didn't have capital gains right. on yep. it. And, uh, you know, that's, that is a good way to keep some of right. that money in your pocket. Um, but that's yep. not the, like you mentioned that, okay, so there's a much like any industry and houses is something that everyone needs. So there's some big players in it. I would imagine those aren't your users. Uh, we've got some, we've got some people that are, you know, they're professional house flippers and larger companies. So, uh, we definitely do have some bigger players that are doing it, but, um, you know, sometimes those bigger companies, they also have their own solutions that they've built out internally right, if right. they get so big. So, but. right. So, but you're, but you're, uh, and by the way, that's, I mean, no shame in that game. I mean, that's, uh, there's probably more people, if you talking about overall users or people that could buy software or spreadsheet or something like that, the volume's not going to come from the people that are doing 90% of the transactions because that's just like one entity or yeah. two. Yeah. It's all the other people that don't know what the hell they're doing. That's yeah. probably the problem you're trying to fix. So with with your tool or your spreadsheet, and once again, go to flipperforce.com and check it out. Um, what are some of the things that you're going to, all right, so I'm going to buy Matt's house. Okay. What it, And I'm going to enter the spread, I'm going to put it in the spreadsheet and I want to flip this thing. So what are you going to help me look at? Like, what are some of the things that I first, that like, what's the first basic, is it the price? Well, so when you're evaluating whether a house is going to be a good deal or not, you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, what is it going to be worth after you make the, the renovations to the property? 
Um, and then you're going to take into account all the other costs that it's going to take to actually get it flipped. So you've got your re renovation costs. Um, so you need to put together a budget of what you think all the repairs are going to be. So you put together a list of roofing, siding, painting, um, kitchen rehab, bathroom, stuff like that. So then you create a, an entire budget of what the renovation is going to cost. Um, then you got to take into account all your other costs, your buying costs, your holding costs, your selling costs, your financing costs. And then ultimately, uh, that will tell you what you should offer for the property. So whatever Matt's asking for the property isn't doesn't necessarily isn't what you should be using to determine what you should offer. It should be all of your costs should determine what you should offer for the and property. And the margin, the and profit, the you the profit margin to make you, in the end. Make. you probably should have, we should have had him in about three months ago because you could have used this because isn't your, your house is you're, you're selling your house it's for right? sale yeah and you went through a whole bunch of this stuff on the way just to get it ready to like prep for sale because you'd lived in it for a long time right yeah like nine years yeah so and then some of the things too when you're flipping a house like you can't you have to make budget decisions and you can't just be like oh i really like the way this tile looks so i'll pay three times more because right. you can't give a shit about sure that. you can well you can but i would imagine you're gonna that, get an roi on it well, that's part of the point, though, not to just create better homes in America. All right. So, all right. So, the main, the mainly what, what Flipper Force is trying to do is trying to help me figure out where I need to buy the house at, right? Right. So, it'll help you determine the maximum purchase price that you can offer for the property and help you and tell you, you know, how much profit's going to actually be in the deal. So that way you don't overpay for the property. How much yep. money do people usually spend rehabbing? Uh, I mean, it's obviously going to depend on the, the scope of work of the property. It's like I mean, asking how, how long will it take to build software? Yeah. Forever. Well, that, <laughs> but I think I have a good point, though. It's like that's pretty broad. Some houses probably you can probably buy them and turn, clean them, paint them and sell them. Yeah. And then some you're like, oh, wow. What do we got here? Yeah. Mine was like 100 grand and changes. It's a lot. Yeah. 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 So that that's why we have our repair estimator tool. I mean, that that's what that's for is creating a scope of work. So instead of just like plugging in a number of fifty thousand dollars, so I think I saw on a flip show one time they spent fifty grand. So I'll just use fifty grand as my budget. This actually helps them itemize each repair on the property. We've got unit pricing in there and uh, prices that they can use as a starting point to help them uh, estimate the cost too. So. Um, do you have to give consideration to where where they're doing this? Because, like, I would imagine that yeah. it's more expensive to do this in California or yeah. wherever than here. Yeah. So our pricing, I mean, we we provide a national database pricing. So, uh, you know, for markets like San Francisco, downtown San Francisco is obviously going to be thirty percent, forty percent, fifty percent, hundred percent more expensive depending on what they're doing or where they're located. Um, so we definitely tell our users that they should be reviewing the unit prices that we have. It should cover most of the markets, but if you're in a really expensive market like California, New York city, stuff like that, you need to be reviewing those prices, confirming it with local subcontractors, stuff like that, adjusting your material pricing. So, I mean, we've got decent budgets for average grade materials, but if you're going with custom high end materials, then obviously you need to be adjusting your tile prices, your hardwood floor prices to match what, what you're actually going to be picking out on your project. So. Did you go all high grade, Matt? Yeah, mine's all high. So, so speaking <laughs> of, uh, I have an interesting rental property property story. So a good friend of mine, Josh, who I lived across the street from in Indianapolis, and he just happens to be from Kansas. So when I hung my Jayhawks flag, we were like BFFs right away. He owned a bunch of rental properties. And in one of them, I was driving home. 
uh, from wherever I was at and he called me. He's like, dude, one of my tenants just got killed in one of my rental homes. Oh shit. <laughs> he's like, can you go by and see what he wasn't even in town? And he's like, can you drive by and see what's up? I literally like pulled up and there was so like, the po- like the police tape and like a seal, <laughs> oh like God. on the door. I was like, ah, oh, dude, this doesn't look good. So at that point he had what's known as a stigmatized property. Yeah. Cause after that was done, he went to rent it out. And the next three people that moved in immediately moved out after they found out mm-hmm. that someone like two people, not one, but two people got killed in the house, like murdered, like not like they died or killed themselves. They were murdered. Yeah. And so is there, are there things like that? I mean, I know that's a weird fringe situation, but, but no, but the struggle was real. It's gotta be in the spreadsheet. Well, but that was the thing though. <laughs> it, it, it very much affected the value of the home right, because sure. no one wants to just be like sitting in a room, like you're sitting there like watching Sesame street with your kids and like someone had been brutally murdered, like right there, you yeah. get that in your head. It's hard to get it out. But yeah. So we have a line item in our software that's for murder. For murder. Ah, yeah. What What about if a meth lab explodes? Yeah, we've got that. Got too. that one. Yeah. By the way, Damn, that's like a, got it down. That's like a real thing though. Some of those, <laughs> some of these properties get, get, be, are toxic yeah. in some regards. And like, yeah. if it smells like, like cat pee, you probably don't want to go in there. Right. That's probably not cat <laughs> pee. Well, it's good to know that flipper force is considered everything from murder to meth right. labs. I yeah. think that that's, it's all part of the algorithm. Yeah. It's machine learning. <laughs> My yeah. machine learning algorithm has figured that this, uh, this so recent how was murder. How was your transition going from selling the spreadsheet to now selling the software? How was that? How was that going? And how was that different for you? Uh, so the house flipping spreadsheet product, um, I mean, that's something I've been doing since basically 2013. Um, that's been basically all me. So I've, I did the, you know, the marketing website. I developed the actual spreadsheet myself. Um, so it's been a little bit of a challenge just kind of, uh, subbing out all of the technical work to, uh, local dev shop. I mean, not having that control, okay. having relying 100% yeah. on somebody else building your product instead yep. of you and, and you're self-defined as a non-technical founder. Right. So what were some of the things that you learned or that was the most frustrating? Uh, I mean, I guess, I guess the one thing that I've learned is, you know, things take twice as long as you're told. Um, but I think that's kind of an industry standard from what I understand. So maybe this is where I wish so I maybe had a it's bell. right on schedule. Ding! Anytime somebody asks me, when is it going to be done? I just tell them never been closer. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It, but you know, that's might be the 100th time that a guest has stated yeah. something similar to that. And then the 200th time that we have said it. And, but it's a common recurring theme. And I think that that's one thing that you got to always look out for is the idea that everything's, and I would imagine this is the same with house flipping too. The idea that everything's going to go as smoothly or as quickly as you hope or want it to is a myth. Yeah, absolutely. There's a zero. zero, One thing I can promise you is that things will not go according to plan. Absolutely. And what do we know about a plan? Everyone has one. Until they get punched in the face. Correct. (laughs) And the, and the amazing words of Mike Tyson. Yes. That's what I'm getting you for your wedding, dude. A face tattoo like Mike yes. Tyson. Uh, I was or like stri- Post Malone. Can I was I go stri- Post Malone? Yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. It's just about the time you're in the chair. Well, I am going to Las Tyson. Vegas this weekend. Maybe I can get that done. I just pictured like all the highlights of all the hangover movies right yeah. there. I mean, I got the money gun. Yeah. Are you I, taking it for sure? 
Uh, can I take both of them? I know. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, will you go back to that shop in the Venetian where I got my gold tie and get me the other versions of it? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. While you're there. While you're there. All right. So, um, all right. So twice as long means twice as expensive, which usually means twice as frustrated. Um, it's, you know, but now, now you have flipperforce.com. Was that an extension of the existing domain that you had? Like, were you generating traffic from that? Um, so house flipping spreadsheet, um, I, we basically still have that online, still selling that as a spreadsheet solution for people. Uh, this new flipper force is a completely new brand. Um, we're using, you know, some of the email subscriber lists that we've developed over the years sure. to help market the new product. Um, has that been helpful? Yeah. I mean, when you're launching a completely new product, um, it helps to have a hundred thousand people on your email list that you can, you know, email out. Wow. To More otherwise. power to you on that one. But that's, right. that's why I was saying it. Cause a lot of people, you know, the, the, they think field of dreams, if I build it, they will come. Right. And that's the next part of what, whether you're non-technical or if you don't have any experience, do not, you can grossly underestimate how much it's going to cost to get anybody well, to pay for anything. Well, and here's the benefit you have is if you built this software product and started selling it today, it would have been probably a pretty abysmal launch. But because you got five years of history selling the mm -hmm. spreadsheet and all of that marketing muscle behind it, contact list, all of that, that's going to make rolling out the software so and much easier. And refinement oh, too. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, that, I mean, that's basically a blueprint and it's, and I don't mean abysmal in a negative way, but it's just, it's back to the, okay, I built it. Where is everybody? Where are they at? Here yeah, they come. And then, and then other things too. It's, you know, um, something, you know, you look at Microsoft Excel, what that's like, like the original, one of the original gangster products of like computers. Yeah. Yep. So obviously there's back to a, windows one, there's some QA and a quality assurance that's gone in and that's where, you know, building a web platform, you got to check all those formulas. Yeah. You got to make sure that shit works because an error in any of that. And I'm yeah. sure along the way to getting it out there, you learn that as well. Right. You're like, oh, uh, turning a 10% into a 40% is going to affect the entire table. Right. So, so what do you charge for the software version? Uh, the new software version, we're doing a monthly or annual subscription. So it's starting at $25 a month up to about $80 a month. Okay. What, where are the variances? Like what's the difference? Yeah. So the, our basic pro plan, that's just for one single user. Um, that one's the $25 a month plan. And then basically you can scale up from there. So when you add additional users, um, it increases the price. So we've got a small business plan, which has five users. And then we have an enterprise plan, which is basically unlimited users that they can add. So that's the only difference at, the, at this point. Um, and that's only $80 a month for unlimited users. Mm -hmm. Seems way too cheap. Well, I mean, on some levels you got to early adopter pricing is what yeah. we're calling it. How long, how long did you have this, Michael. this out? Um, so, I mean, we started working on flipper force basically in 2018. Um, we beta tested most of, uh, 2019 and eventually I was like, well, we just need to launch the thing. So we launched it in December of 2019. So it's new. Yeah. So did, did you a, pop the champagne and like throw a big party, fire the no, money gun? Like, no, nothing. nothing. No, not really. I all mean, right. so we lost we can it. do all that later. If yeah. he's like, if he's like myself or anyone else at that, when you finally get your prop, you're like ready to lift it up. You're like, fuck the champagne, man. I'm just 
turn this on. Turn, I'm tired of talking about it. Turn yeah. it on. No champagne, no VIP room, no money gun. Just somebody <sighs> turn this thing on. Right. Is that how it felt? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, so it's like I a monkey was, on your back. Yeah, Get this damn thing off my much. back. It was kind That's of a better a, way to look at it. It's kind of a race between my new son being born and this getting launched and i ah, congratulations. who won who won who was the first baby the baby won so it's hard to believe but the baby won you were there he was, there he, was only, he was only in there for nine months and it took us what a year and a half to build out the app and i can't believe that baby beat us but baby beat us by a week so wow. we launched we launched uh december 2nd and he launched himself out <laughs> november 23rd so Oh, you got like a Thanksgiving baby. Well, I have one. Close. Yeah. Close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First kid? Yep. All right. Congratulations. Well, you have two kids. You have, is it a boy? Yep. He has a son and Flipper (laughs) Force and the spreadsheet business. You have a baby with flippers. So (laughs) you you mentioned, you know, (laughs) you've defined yourself as a perfectionist and that's not always a good thing. In fact, I recommend try not to be a perfectionist when it comes to opening your online business, especially. Because your software baby is always ugly. Yes, that baby is always ugly. Always ugly. And, you know, so many really well-known people are quoted of saying, if you look, if you don't look back at your first release later with absolute terror, then you hung on to it too long. Yep. Did you hang on to it too long? Yeah, I mean, I think my first big mistake was wanting to build everything into our first uh, release of the product. So, I mean, the house sipping spreadsheet is this big elaborate spreadsheet that has, you know, all these kind of tools and reports. And I kind of felt like, you know, if I'm going to launch this new web app, it needs to have every single functionality that I have in my spreadsheet or else people won't pay for it or people won't like it. Um, So I made the mistake of wanting to build everything from the start. And then, so we, we built that and then, you know, it's, it's a big platform. There's a lot in it, um, took forever to build. Um, then I just got into the phase where I was like, well, it's still not good enough, still not good enough. And so we, you know, we beta tested for six months to a year, however, however long it was, because I basically wouldn't, wouldn't launch it because I didn't think it was good enough. So, I mean, that was just kind of that perfectionist in me thinking that we, we users wouldn't pay for it or whatever was keeping us from launching, but eventually, um, just made the decision that it's good enough and we'll launch it. So, so was there at some point in time there, you get through building all this software at some stages and you're like, you know what, this damn spreadsheet, it fucking worked and it was a lot easier. Why am I building software? Uh, Did you have that moment somewhere? I mean, it, it's definitely. Or you still uh, have that moment. I mean, the, the spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the spreadsheet business is is pretty well automated at this point, so it's it's been a hell of a lot easier than. Yeah. And, and it just works. The new business, so I mean, yeah, and it works. So I would. But, well, while that business was simple and straightforward, here buy it and deliver a spreadsheet. I think one of the things that was probably, I, and you can confirm or deny this, but I, the thing that I think would be a challenge moving to the online platform is the spreadsheets never gave you any input about what parts of it people actually used. Right. So like, and if you talk about trying to build everything out and I've done that before, I'm like, Oh, we got to have this before we launch you. It's spent a, a shitload of time and money and effort building it and only to realize no one uses it. Right. So, I mean, we've done, we've done surveys, which you don't know how accurate that is when you're asking your customer, you know, nope. what, what, what tools would you like most or what, what would you use most? So the only um, thing that matters is what, what actually happens. Right. And it's impossible to gauge until you do it. 
I got an example of a really terrible survey. God. It's like how we vote for president. Okay. <laughs> it's like a giant survey. I look at this shit. We end up with those choices. Super inaccurate. And despite, wait, so wait, it's inaccurate, probably tainted. And despite, and despite the most popular answer sometimes being evident, it's not the one chosen. Yes. Yeah, oh, much. okay. Weird. Yep. I was thinking about that the other day because I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And Dave, you're going to get to deal with this. I'm like, man, there's things I'm just going to have to teach my children that are different than what I was taught. And I'm 44 years old. We were taught democracy. The person with the most votes wins. No, that is not how it works, children. And just like different stuff. And I've got a whole list. And I'm not going to like alienate half of our audience oh. by going through my weird work. Like, dude, Columbus did not discover America. It's a pretty well-known fact. Like he didn't. He was in the Bahamas. But that's not what Close we're enough. taught. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's weird. He's got his own day. Wasn't a really good guy either. <laughs> he pretty much did some yeah. heinous evil shit, but what are you going to do? Now, Flipper Force is great, but there's one thing that I'm going to admit that I do like a little better, and that's mixtape the game. Oh, have you can ever you played? Flip, can uh, you flip some cards? I'm going to flip one. I've just okay. flipped a card out of, there's a lot. Of, I love the flipping reference. <laughs> So I flipped a card out of the mixtape deck. You can go to mixtapethegame.com or download the mixtape app on iOS or Android. So I pulled a card out of the deck. I'm going to read a scenario. We're all going to name a song that comes to mind. There's really no wrong answer here unless it comes from Watson. That's true. And then we will vote for who wins. You may not vote for yourself. Oh, wow. Dedicate a song to someone in the room and tell them why you chose your selection. <laughs> Oh, this is where once again i want to pick fuck you by CeeLo green and dedicate it to you um man you know i'm oh. gonna dedicate pinball wizard to dave because of flippers i think when i think flippers <laughs> i think pinball and so i'm gonna go with pinball wizard and i'm going to dedicate that oh, to dave mm. and we have to pick a winner out of this Okay, According to look, I just do what the Ron yeah, okay. Burgundy just reads what's on the mixtape card. Okay, mm-hmm. it's a it's different. It's not the normal type. You can pick anything you want, man. And then he see we bring a guy in that doesn't know us, and we're like, dedicate a song, <laughs> dedicate a song. I'm gonna let him pick the CeeLo. We've banned "Fuck You" by CeeLo Green because it works okay. for every single card. I can tell you what song to dedicate to me. Okay. Tell oh, me. God. White and Nerdy by Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> I don't know that. Do you, do you like to have the you have the whole Weird Al catalog in your music library, don't you? And I'm going to dedicate uh <laughs> What are you going to A different dedicate? Weird Al song to you. <laughs> oh no. No, I'm just kidding. Is it Fat? Yes, that's it. Fat by Weird Al Yankovic. Thanks, man. That hurts. <laughs> That hurts, Matt. You know, it really does. I'm not fat. I'm husky. So that's kind of funny because one of the songs that I I actually listened to my new baby with is Amish Paradise. So it's yeah. Nice. I know all the words to it. So. Do we have answers here? <laughs> not really. <laughs> I'm just declaring this. I'm pulling another card. Sorry, listeners. These guys need some practice. <laughs> Okay, theme music. Your theme music that plays every time you walk in public. I'm going with Fat by Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> I'm going with White and Nerdy by Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> and I was thinking, uh, 
hot, hot, hot by Buster Poindexter. That's got my vote. Hot, hot, hot. Yeah. Ooh. And he sang it. <laughs> okay, I'm voting for him. Boom. David wins. That's another song I listened to. It. Okay. Kids, well, so. thank you for those of you listening. <laughs> you haven't gotten to Perry Griffin for yet. putting up with this. Now, Dave, you do get to fire the golden money gun. Okay. Um, go ahead. Take your prize. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Let it rip. Woo! <laughs> and is that a category in the flipper force, like money gun allotment? I think so. Yeah. Like right. $30. Well, that definitely flipped money all over our table here. Sweet. So anyway, <laughs> I like it. And, I, and you know, the fact that I, I almost want to let him keep the $2 bill because he sang hot, hot, hot. <laughs> It's the last time I'll ever pick a Weird Al song. Okay. So, as far as Flipper Force goes, like, what do you really see as the as the the future? I mean, is this something that you know some pe- platforms similar to this can, in many ways, actually be done? which is not a world or, or word we're used to. Are you used to, do you stack, could Stackify ever really be done? No. Right. It's, it's software's like fashion. There's no final version. Yeah. But in some cases, straightforward utilitarian tools yeah. can actually have a sense of finality to them. That is, and now you still have to update it. You got to make sure it works. There's things that are going to break your software that you, as a non-technical founder, it doesn't matter if someone built it well or not. There's just things that break stuff. You have to be prepared to update and, and yeah. change stuff. But what do you have in mind? I mean, do you feel that you're near a final version or do you plan on expanding? Like what's the future for Flipper Force? No, I mean, uh, we've already, we've still got a big roadmap of things that we're wanting to do to it. So I, I just have a feeling that it'll probably never be good enough for me. So we'll always be be working on it and adding in new tools and features. I mean, there's still a lot that needs to be done as far as like integrations that we can integrate with like Google calendar, mm. QuickBooks, stuff like that. And then, um, you know, as far as like building out other offshoot businesses, I don't know, there's probably an opportunity there, but do you, uh, do you have any, you mentioned earlier and, and you're so right about um, whether you're flipping a house or just trying to improve your own finding contractors that are reliable and good at what they do is difficult. Do you do anything to help people do that? Uh, We don't, Um, you know, there's home advisor and Angie's list and places like that, that kind of do that already. So I don't know if there's an opportunity to maybe work with somebody like that, who's already pre-qualified all those users and have all has all those reviews, but um, I don't believe online reviews. Right. I think they're bullshit. They're (laughs) usually left by the people that the review I Wrote for you is definitely bullshit. Does it say hot, hot, hot? Yeah. <laughs> or does it say it'll never be good enough for me? <laughs> it says fat, fat, fat. <laughs> God, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Am I being pretty flippant today? Yeah. <laughs> you know what uh, didn't occur when you jumped over that giant stack of Jenga blocks? <laughs> you did not flip them over onto the floor. And I'm going to, for the listeners, if look, if you've never been to the Out Startup Hustle Instagram, just go there and find the Watson jumping video. Um, it's legendary. <laughs> your verticals like seven. Wow. Maybe it's, eight. It's all it takes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still shocked that you didn't, you called in sick the next day. <laughs> no. I want to point that out. No, you called in no, sick no, the next no. day. I think you were injured and you were no. faking it. The injury report was, it was not, a you're snow like the day. new England Patriots. It was dude. a snow day. I had to stay home. Whatever, whatever. 
All right. Well, Dave, thanks for coming in. And for those of you that are listening, go to flipperforce.com while you're on the internet, go to fullscale.io, check out what we do. We can help you build software similar to Flipperforce. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Make sure if you want to see how beautiful and non-fat I am, go to the apps, <laughs> yeah, go I'm to the Startup Hustle I, YouTube channel. I'm just kidding. Where you can just see my head and not know if I am actually fat. But so we we end episodes of Startup Hustle with what we call the Founders Freestyle, which I'm going to hand the mic over to you. And I, what's some advice you could give? Maybe even just to people flipping houses or non-technical founders. I don't know what 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 kind of uh, What's the lesson that you've learned that you would like the world to hear? Uh, so I think the biggest takeaway from a, as a non-technical founder would be to not try to build everything up front. Try to start with, you know, something simple, something, um, an MVP that you can, um, you know, launch as quickly as possible instead of wasting hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to build the perfect solution. Start small Ouch. and then go from there. Did you really waste hundreds of thousands oh, at no. all? No, I was so- Okay. That's not. It, it happened. It happens a sure. lot. It happens a lot. Would you uh, like what? Would you like to share us? Have you wasted hundreds of thousands of dollars? Probably every month or every year or whatever. It's like a never-ending thing. I mean, yeah. we spend a lot of time building software that later on we don't use or, or replace or change or, yeah. or whatever. It's a never-ending part of the thing, but it's the fun of software. So my uh, my uh, founders freestyle today. I was just just say I think it's great when people like you. An entrepreneur understands a certain industry, understands a certain problem, and you know goes out on a limb and says, "You know what? I'm going to solve this for other people. Solve it for myself. Solve it for other people. It's a problem I understand. Um, that's great. That's where the best um, startup ideas, you know, business entrepreneurs come from. So it's great, and that's what we need a lot more of. Yeah, I'm going to second that motion. I think I I appreciate the the well, I'm and I don't. I'm going to say the simplicity, even though I know there's a lot of complexity in it, but like, Hey, this is one thing we do, not 900 things in one, like yep. here, here's a straightforward solution. It's here to help you flip houses. Not like, I mean, I think that a lot of people get their overall offerings just tied up and it turns into like an octopus and they end up trying to be good at six different things before they're good at one. And you were clearly good at one thing with the spreadsheets, which just sounds like you made a couple bucks doing. Yep. Um, and, you know, I think that the moral of the story is, is like pick something core to be good at and get really good at it and then worry about the other stuff. Um, and with that, I do want to share a story of failure because you talked about wasting hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever. When we were building Gigabook, I was a couple hundred grand into it. And I've shared this story before. One of our co-founders said, if you're trying to build this into a platform that can morph into other things, we're not doing it right. And I was like, what? <laughs> and had to spend about a hundred grand re basically refactoring everything to get it into the position that we could then use it later down the road to build other platforms, which we have done, but that's a tough pill to swallow. And, you know, and sometimes the stark reality of it is you have to accept the fact that you didn't do everything right or that you are embracing an expensive lesson. You swallow the red pill, the blue pill and the green pill, especially <laughs> the green pill, and you get moving on getting it, getting it fixed and no amount of unless you have a time machine. And if you do have a time machine, we'd like to host you on the that show. I'd like to yes. learn about how that was built and really how I can access it. 
but yeah, so, you know, I, I think that overall entrepreneurs that are successful don't spend a ton of time staring in the rearview mirror because when you do, your eyes aren't on the road. You know, what's already occurred has occurred and you got to be forward thinking. You got to try to do the things that make sense for you in the long run. You got to also be, uh, have a very short term memory when it comes to failure sometimes. Like you don't want to completely forget about it, but at the same time, you know, you got to just accept the fact like, Hey, that's done. Let's move on. And it's similar to like baseball, you know, the best hitters, they're not like, God, I struck out last time. I hope I don't strike out when I'm at the plate this time. They're like, here I am. This next. is the, this is the about that I'm on and I got to try to get ahead. I can't worry about the, about the next about I'm just here at the plate right now. So speaking of which I'm going to post the videos of you throwing and the Royal, uh, you hitting at the Royals. Okay. Uh, if you want to see a true powerhouse, <laughs> How do you not have a contract? You know, I just didn't want to go through all the minor leagues and all that stuff. I don't just blame you, man. Work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to work, so I'll see you all next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle. We do it.